0: Hey, this is Nicole. Um, I am trying to do something a little different with this podcast. This actually is an intro, uh, intro podcast and a promotion podcast. So um, I was invited to be one of the speakers for the new OARise.org. which comes out of central Oregon. I think it is actually the birth child of Trish. I don't know if she'd want me to tell you that, but I want to toot her horn because uh, this is definitely her baby. She couldn't do it without support, of course, as could none of us, but it's her brainchild. And um, so oarise.org, twice a month, they have speakers um, from one to four. Uh, come in and on various subjects. And it's also a uh, sort of fundraiser for um, world service office. So uh, it does pitch for seven traditions and then the money that is left over after paying solely for expenses, it goes is uh, donated directly to world service So um, not only do you get great recovery, uh, but you also get to financially support through your contributions, um, our World Service office. So uh, anyway, I was invited uh, to lead one of those. And whenever it's virtual, I love to share the stage. And so I did, I got to share it with Stacy and Megan, um, who you have heard on this podcast with me. So not only do I think it's awesome that I get to promote the OA rise, uh, website, um, here, but, um, I'm also going to include the, uh, talks from that Sunday and I will put the links in, The window or in the uh, this podcast description and I may upload them individually I haven't decided maybe I'll do this intro with each one and yeah maybe I'll do that I'll do this intro and before each one and I will just really encourage you to check out the oarise.org because uh Trish and Sherry um and whomever, I don't know everyone on the team, but I know that uh, they are working very hard um, to put this together and to bring in speakers from all over. So uh, that's my intro and hopefully it wasn't too long. And so this will be the intro to, well, I can't say which one because I'm gonna use the same intro for each. So this will be the intro to one part of the workshop that happened on uh, November, I think it was 14th. And it, the workshop was called Refresher for the Holidays. And we uh, went over steps one, two, and three. So thank you and good day. Get, I'm doing my best. Um, so uh, Stacy is also a sponsor, uh, also, Portland, Oregon, and is now gonna talk for 40 minutes, 35, 40 minutes on step two. And then we will again have time for questions or comments. Stacy, how do you want your time?
1: Um, Let's see, could you give me 15 minute increments and then let me know when I have like five minutes left? Sure. That'd be great. Thank you. Uh, Hi everybody, I'm Stacy, anorexic bulimic and a compulsive overeater. Um, from Portland, Oregon, as Nicole said, it's so great to see all these faces on here. Um, most people I don't know, and seeing people from looks like all across the country. Just seeing a few people who have their location listed. Um, yeah, I feel really grateful to be part of this. Um, I've been in program long enough to know that service is its own reward, and I get as much out of this as hopefully my fellows uh, will when I'm doing service. Um, And for step two, just thinking about the nature of that step, um, I have to stop and just kind of connect with my higher power for a moment and ask to be a channel and um, ask that my higher power speak through me and say something that hopefully will be helpful to all of you and to my fellows. Um, And it may have already been said at the opening of this meeting, but my viewpoints and my experiences do not represent OA as a whole. This is my experience. This is how I have experienced my experiences of the disease, my experiences of recovery, uh, my experience of the program. So um, again, I'm anorexic bulimic and a compulsive overeater. So I'll talk a little bit about how that's kind of like woven through this step in my story. Um, So one way I think about this step is like what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. And there's kind of two major parts of this step came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. The first part is, okay, well, what is a power that's greater than me, right? And I have to really stop and like do the work around exploring what that is. And this step, when I first came into, I came in actually a different program, my first 12-step program, Um, not that long before OA, but a little while before. I mean, it feels like a really big abstract step and it's really helped me to like really get concrete on some of my work and like my writing around like, okay, let's really dig into this. Um, So looking at like where I've come from, you know, what have been some powers greater than me? And so in my childhood, you know, it was a raging dad. It was um, my we went to church for a while, for a few years when I was a kid. I think it was mostly out of my parents sense of duty. Uh, My mom was raised Presbyterian and that's what her family did. So there was part of it I remember enjoying as far as like being in the church choir and, you know, doing that. But a lot of it was like you get dressed up and you sit quietly in a pew for an hour um, and that's and you listen to someone talk, you know, Um, you listen to a man at the front of the room talk to everyone for an hour and so the idea of, that I inherited of God was, you know, the pretty much classic, like, paternalistic, um, authoritative, kind of punishing God, where, yeah, there was messages about God being love, but it was also very much threaded through with, like, you better not piss God off, right? So, like, that was kind of my my inherited idea of, like, this sense of a higher power. Um, so a lot there was a lot of, like, shame and fear kind of threaded through that. And then as I got older um, and moved into adolescence, um, this was a shift for me and a shift for my family. Um, This is when the disease really started to emerge for me. And the first manifestation of the disease for me was anorexia. So the dysfunction in my family, uh, my mom is anorexic. As I mentioned, my dad has some rage issues like all of these different aspects of it um, that came out in me as like trying to get a sense of control, you know, really living in a way that felt out of control. I couldn't have identified it as as that at the time, but anorexia was my way to try to feel in control of all these things that were like really terrifying um, in a way that I couldn't even describe. So at that point, you know, my higher power became control. Um, And this was all happening again, like without my awareness, but it's like, if I can just get control of things, if I can just like, eat as little as possible. If I can just do all of these exercises every day, no matter what, like I literally had checklists that I would check off, like the exercises I would do, you know, I would have to like make things look a certain way every day. It was very rigid. Um, And at the same time, my family was also going through a shift where we had moved. And my, I remember my parents asking my sisters and I, so do you want to keep going to church? You know, and we're like, 10, 11, 12. And of course we're like, uh, no. And so, you know, my family stopped going to church. And I think it's when that emerged, like my parents never were really connected to it anyway. You know, they didn't have like a, a deep, meaningful connection or a community, um, in that sense. And so my family basically kind of, I don't want to say flipped exactly because they were never like that devoted to the church, but definitely became, um, critics of anyone who believed in God. Um, it sort of became almost like an unofficial sport in my family to like ridicule, uh, people who believed in God, you know, um, people who like were weak enough to like need to believe in a God. You know, that was like a lot of the message that I got for years. And that like to be intellectual, to be, um, you know, believer in science, it was very dichotomous. It's like you're either, either a believer in God and you're an idiot and like you don't actually believe in science or the other choice is like you're intellectual, you know, you believe in science, you can like run on self-will. So like these are kind of the two choices that I was presented with. And so, you know, I fell in line with that. Um, It felt like powerful to look at like, oh yeah, look at all of these people who have to rely on this God, you know, all of these Christians and whoever else, you know, people of faith were like, we're so much better. There was this like feeling of superiority that like, we didn't need God. Well, in my family, you know, what wasn't discussed was like, what was there in absence of that God? And as I've learned in program, like every human being has a deep need for spirituality, whatever that is, however you want to describe it. You know, for some people, it's like fishing, going out and going fishing can be your spirituality. You know, for some people, it's just being in some kind of community and connection, like spirituality can be pretty much, you know, whatever, however you define it. So for my family, it was just like, there was a hole, right? Well, there is no God, people who believe in God, ridiculous and there was nothing to replace that so that basically um kind of over the years evolved into like my disease progressed so as I moved through anorexia and then like the exercise bulimia and I attempted other forms of bulimia and then that um evolved into compulsive overeating and binging And then I found drugs and alcohol, and that was a huge relief because then I could have relief from just all of these perfectionist voices and just all the shame I had around the binge eating um, and the rest of my behavior around food. So it was like piling on layers of the disease Um, and eventually got to a point, I have this clear memory of being 25, living in an apartment by myself. I was still like pretty deep in the disease at that point with all of those different aspects. And I remember sitting there and I talked to my best friend, not Uh, That much before that, just about I was really struggling. I've always been a a seeker in that way of like, there's got to be something bigger. But I just kept being told that like, well, there's not or, you know, again, I didn't want to be seen as like this inferior person if I did need to believe in something bigger. And so I remember talking to her about that and she said, well, you know, energy is neither created nor is it destroyed. And that was, you know, she was kind of trying to give me some comfort about like what happens to us when we die. And just like, you know, these existential questions. And I remember just sitting there by myself after that conversation, just feeling like so hopeless, so, so devastated. Like there's nothing out there, you know, like really nihilistic, like what is the point of all this? You know, I'm in my disease. I'm trying to find solace in drinking and drugs and food and, none of that's working. You know, it's still maybe giving me some temporary relief, but not in the way that it even used to, you know, Um, all of that. So just really feeling a sense of despair um, about it. So fast forward to a few more years of that. And then, thank God, the God I can believe in now, uh, found my way to recovery. And again, I started, so I started in AA, was in there for a few months and quickly knew that, OA was also where I needed to be. Um, And so the first concept, and I really bristled at, you know, all the mentions of God that I heard in meetings, the big book I had a huge problem with. I have my first big book where I still have the notes I took the first time I read it, where I have all these like faces with like a wiggly mouth that are next to the word God of like, oh, they're really mentioning that word again. Or, you know, just like I, I would feel this like literal shudder when I read about God or people talked about God. I was this I had a really difficult time with it. Like, this is what I'm going to have to do to stop drinking or to find, you know, become abstinent, find relief from all of this behavior with food. And I at least could latch on to, I heard enough people talking about this, that you could make the group your higher power. And I was like, okay, I see all these other bodies here in the room with me in these meetings. I can believe in that. I can see all of you. I understand that collectively, all of these people in this meeting have more power than me. That's where I'm starting. Like that works for me. So that's really been uh, part of my journey is like an evolving concept of a higher power, you know? And it's like the concept that I had then is not what I have now. And I'm sure it'll keep changing as I spend more years in recovery. Um, but it's it's what worked at that time. It's like, okay, the group, you know, will be, will be my higher power. What this group, um, what they helped me with and what the, you know, 12 steps are recommending I do, That's that's a higher power. And that's all I have to start with. Um, for right now. Um, So I had to really confront, you know, some of these deep beliefs around God and higher power, you know, that I had again, that's like, if you just work harder, you can do this on your own, why would you need God, you know, really like getting into all that self will kind of thing. Um, To you know, doing working step one deeply enough to know that I truly was powerless, and I could not do this alone. So being willing to look at, you know, what is a higher power for me. So then what happened as far as being in recovery? A lot of it was about, so once I started working the steps, and this has been happening in a reiterative way as I've continued working the steps more than once, is like consciously replacing these inherited forms of a higher power, right? A lot of them are toxic forms of a higher power, where even when I was consciously trying to think about, okay, what's the higher power that I need? I still would have this, you know, sort of subconscious feeling of like a punishing God. If I didn't like eat perfectly, right. And follow like my food plan. Once I started working a food plan in OA, you know, then, then God wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. Or, you know, it was a lot about me, like pleasing God, like I had to earn my worth with God or my idea of a higher power, you know, I was trying to like, please this like abstract force out there. Um, So I had to really start examining all those things and challenging them and replacing them. With something that worked for me. You know, that's what I was told. Like if your concept of God isn't working for you and you're struggling with staying sober or abstinent or sane, it's like then you need to re examine your concept of God and your higher power. Um and I use the word God, by the way, just because it's a shorthand, it's it's simple. And I know again, it's a very fraught word and I still have some issues with it, but I say it just naturally now. I don't bristle at it anymore. It actually feels pretty peaceful to me, which is a big deal. Um, But I say that word just knowing like the word God doesn't work for everyone. Um, But I say like higher power or God, either one. Um, So a lot of this, as I've been working the program, as I've been working the 12 steps is like expanding my concept of just the divine, right? What we might call a divine power. Um, So this has been through like also like 12 step readings, outside readings, practicing prayer and meditation. Um, I remember being it recommended to me that I start praying. I think I was on my ninth step by then, the first time I worked the ninth step. And I just I was in a lot of struggle um, and people just said, just try praying. And I was like, I don't even know what that looks like. You know, again, I saw what it looked like for people in church to pray. I remember that as a kid. Um, but I just like, okay. So I just, you know, would get down on my knees and just start saying things that came to mind. And that's what worked at the time. Um, so of course that's evolved for me as well. What prayer and meditation looks like today. I'll talk a little bit more about that later, as far as like what it is today. Um, just in conversation with other people, you know, talking to other, my fellows in program, like what is their concept of a higher power look like? And then experientially, and that's probably been one of the most powerful ones. Um, you know, being in nature I like, I can sit there. And I I live in Oregon where we have huge, tall trees and I can go out in the middle of the forest and just like look up at these trees, these Douglas firs. And I mean, they're gigantic trees. And when I leave Oregon and I've been somewhere else for a while and I come back and see our trees again, I'm like, oh, yeah, our trees are like truly gigantic. And I can sit there and just like take in like the power of this nature that. Is awe inspiring you know that I don't know what exactly it is or how it came to be but it's bigger than me you know so like that sort of experience or going to the coast we live a couple hours from the ocean so like you know just sitting there and watching the ocean and knowing like that's a power greater than me so those experiences and then um, thank you Um, also in program I've had two kids they are two and four now And that experience, I'll tell you, has really made me explore the idea of a higher power. Uh, Also, thanks to my sponsor, um, very much with the idea that like we are all born as particles of God. And in our human journey, we move away from that, at least especially I know for me and my experience in the disease, like definitely moving away from like our own divine that's in all of us and then find our way back to it. That's been my experience of recovery is finding my way back to that, to this divine Power that's always been within me and always will be. But when I'm in my disease, I don't feel it and I forget it's there. So that process of recovery has been coming back around to it. So seeing that in my kids, you know, holding my newborns, looking at them, I could very much believe that they are a particle of God, right? And then I could project myself into that state and be like, Oh, right. That was me. Right. I was once a newborn like this. Someone was looking at me as if I were a particle of God, you know, this divine creature that had just emerged into the world. Like, Oh yeah, that's still me. You know, I'm an adult with all these flaws and I've done a lot of things that I'm not necessarily proud of, but that's what the eighth and the ninth step were for. And, you know, acknowledging that like, Oh yeah, I still have that divinity the same way that my kids do. Um, So they just reflect it back to me and like show that to me in a way that I can clearly see it. And then I can relate that back to myself. Um, And the other, it's kind of ironic. I don't know if it's ironic really anymore, but I actually attend a church again now. Um, It's very much like a 12 step meeting. I say that to everybody I talk to who's not part of this church because it's very relational and it's uh, the power is very diffused through the group. It's not one man standing at the front and everybody listening the whole time. Um, it's people telling their stories and it's people being very vulnerable and it's a whole different concept of church than what I grew up with. So like experiencing higher power in that environment as community, right? And that I also experienced that, of course, in my 12-step community as well. Um, so it comes out in all these different ways, like as far as like, what is this um, this power now? So the other part of that, um, so the other major part of the tw- the second step, right, the second half of it is that this power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So the other big question is what is sanity? And that also has evolved for me as far as what that looks like, um, depending on where I've been in recovery. And one of the most helpful exercises that my sponsor had me do was actually make a chart of insane versus sane behaviors. And she had me do it on six different areas. Um, They were financial, physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, and creative. So I had to go through and spend and they could be as long for each one they could be as long as they needed to be. but for each of those, I had to describe like what is insanity um, for something physical? What does insanity look like? And for a while for me it was like continuing to eat even though I knew I was already full. you know my body like actually was hurting in some cases, and like continuing to eat would be a form of insanity. And so what does sanity look like? It's like, oh, okay, being in touch with my body enough and respecting my body enough to stop when I notice I'm feeling full. And, and what can I do to like breathe through this and get some support through my higher power to be able to stop eating when I'm at those moments. Um, and I'll talk more about the concrete idea of the higher power in relation to that in a moment. Um, The other thing that I have found along the way through like that process of one definition of sanity that I really like is seeing situations the way they really are and acting appropriately rather than reacting only from my emotions. Um, So that has been something that has helped me to return to as far as like what actually is sanity. Again, I'll say that one more time, seeing situations for the way they really are and acting appropriately rather than reacting only from my emotions, So, you know, it's the whole, like, acting versus reacting, some of that. Um, Another one on that that's been more uh, recent for me. So before the pandemic started, I didn't even realize what insanity was, like, emerging again. So, again, I've had experiences as a compulsive overeater, as a binger, being overweight and yo-yoing up and down in weight for years. Um, More recently, the anorexia has come back, the restriction the need for control. So that's come out in different way. It's like my disease is cunning and baffling and powerful. So it will throw all kinds of different insanity at me. So my sponsor had to actually point out, like I was getting insane with how little I was eating. And I didn't even realize how bad it was getting until she talked to me about it. So I realized the insanity of what was happening was I was only sitting down for like one meal a day. And like, yes, I have little kids, but like, That was not, you know, an excuse for like, oh, I'd maybe shove a little bit in my mouth for breakfast and lunch and, or I'd be like in the car, you know, having a bite of this or that. And I would only sit down like for dinner each day. And then I was starting to like dump out a little bit of my meals. Um, So like the insanity was like, you know, really insidious, but it was starting to emerge, you know, in that way. And that was just um, basically last, about a year ago, last fall and last winter is when that really started um, emerging again. So the sanity that I've been working on over the last six, eight months, again, it was before the pandemic. I think it was like in February, um, when my sponsor and I really talked about this was like, okay, working on sitting down for each of my three meals every day. And that was so hard in the beginning. I was like, I didn't realize how insane I'd gotten until I saw how hard it was to like commit to sitting down for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like it was painful, um, And like eating like a a sane amount of food, you know, and not like sneaking and like dumping half of it out in the trash, you know, at the end of the meal, just like working my way back to sanity with like, what is sane, middle of the road, food and eating practices look like. Not, you know, too much, not getting back into my binge behavior, but not getting into this restriction behavior. So that is another example of insanity versus sanity. Um, Also one that I'm currently still working on I've gotten to a lot of insanity around following the news which has been a common experience with many people I know of like compulsively you know taking in media and news and there's been a lot of obviously very stressful things happening for all of us around the world but you know in a way that was not it wasn't sane it was just like feeding that that fear and that despair and that anger kind of addictive loop um so the sane alternative was to step back from it to actually stop checking it it became like a red light food for me I kept like playing around with it like oh maybe today I can just have a little bit you know and I'd look at like a couple headlines or a couple stories and the next thing I know I was like doom scrolling through you know all of these different articles talking about how the world was ending and sometimes literally on fire Um, so I had to like treat it like a red light food and be like nope I'm closing the door on this. I'm stepping back. And like, I've been on news abstinence for, I don't know, it's been, I think, a month or more now. Um, And again, seeing just the power of it, like exactly how it was like a red light food and how I had to like look at, okay, the same behavior is I'm not going to be checking this. If I do need to know something, my husband will tell me, like he knows that if there's anything major happening, this loving person, you know, who cares about me will tell me instead of like me alone with my phone, you know, in a ton of fear. So those are just some different examples that I still work is around like, if I find myself in insanity, it's like, what's the sanity here? And I don't always know, well, I should say, I I usually don't know what that is by myself. I have to talk to my sponsor about what that sanity might look like. I have to listen to fellows. Uh, So that brings me to, this is kind of where I'm at now with my higher power. I still definitely have this divine connection kind of feeling like, you know, it's just this force out there that I can feel But I've often been like disconnected um, from that force, been like, where are you, God? Like, I'm not feeling anything. I'm showing up. I'm praying. I'm meditating. Like, what's going on? Uh, So I've had to really just get concrete in my higher power, you know. So it's like, all right, it's my fellows in the rooms. It's my sponsor. You know, my, my higher power is a team. Um, I'm on something we call ourselves the love team. It's my, all of my sponsor siblings with my sponsor, you know, and I feel like the power of all of us together. Um, we communicate with each other regularly. And my sponsor will say, who have you talked to live this week? Like she expects us, like you better have had a live phone call with at least one other person, you know, not just texting, not just leaving voicemails, like who have you actually talked to and connected to? And she will literally say like her mantra is like connect. Connect, connect. That is the opposite of the disease and isolation. And, you know, I got to tell you, as a parent of two young kids, I have resented that at different times. Like, seriously, you're going to ask me to do something else? But I am experiencing the rewards of doing that. And I have to keep doing it, right? It's like taking daily medication, Or something. I have to keep that regular connection up. And I feel, I really do feel my higher power working through other people. That's another thing my sponsor loves to say is that God's favorite instrument is people. You know, you can't sit there and be like, okay, I'm going to have some prayer and meditation time. I'm going to like really try to like channel my higher power. And then your phone's ringing and you're like, oh, there's this, you know, fellow calling me from program. And why won't the phone stop ringing? I'm trying to connect with my higher power right now. It's like, pick up the damn phone. Your higher power is trying to talk to you through this fellow calling you, you know? So like be ready and aware for all the different ways that your higher power might try to connect with you. And it's sometimes not the way you think that it's gonna look like. Um, so that's really helped me, especially in these last, I don't know, since having kids. And also in the last couple of years, I've had some sort of resurgence of depression I've had to deal with also, especially in the last like, you know, six, eight months, like a lot of people, you um, I've just finished listening to the whole series of Harry Potter books. So I'm really obsessed with Harry Potter metaphors. So I call them visits from the dementors. You know, I'm just like, oh God, the dementors are here. So when I'm in those days, I really have to get concrete with connecting to people, right? My higher power is like all all connections with people because that's what I can see and feel. And even when I can't physically be with people in this pandemic, I'm like looking at somebody I care about and love on a screen. You know, we're doing FaceTime or I'm like like, hearing their voice. I know them in flesh and blood. Like I've been in rooms with them in person. So I like, I have that connection, even if we can't do it right now. Um, But that's what it really looks like. You know, I think of it like, you know, those pictures from space of like the Milky Way galaxy. And you just see, you know, the giant swirl of all of the particles and, you know, everything that makes that up. Like, that's the big picture. You know, if I were to say, like, yeah, that kind of represents my higher power, you know, there's this force. Who knows what even created that? Um, There's a story I love from, I forget who originally told it. I want to say, anyway, it's something outside the rooms, but all these different faith leaders came together for some type of. Uh, group and they were they were like how what term should we use for God because God doesn't work for everybody here people for are from all different faiths and they agreed upon great mystery and I love that you know that it's just like we don't have to know what that is we're just going to call it the great mystery we know it's bigger than us so anyway back to this Milky Way galaxy picture it's like that's the great mystery to me I don't know what created that I just know it's something way bigger than me But I can tell you that all the tiny particles, like all the people in my life and all the different forces that I can directly connect to, they are like the individual pieces of that galaxy, right? They are the things that I can actually like reach out and touch. If I sit there and try to connect to the whole big picture, that's sometimes overwhelming and it's too abstract. So I really have to like zero in and look at, okay, who can I actually talk to and hear their voice and know like that is my higher power, like talking through them to me. So that connection, and I can't like overemphasize the importance of that um, in my recovery today. Um, How am I doing on time, Nicole? Uh, You have a total of 13 minutes left. Okay. Um, So, yeah, the other thing I wanted to talk about was this. But also keep in
0: mind you have Q&A after.
1: Okay. Okay, yeah, some of this might come up there. Yeah, I won't try to cover every every last thing that I might want to say about my higher power. Um, the other part of my concept of my higher power today, and it's taken a while to be able to actually embrace and internalize this because my sponsors talked about it. I've heard people in the rooms talk about it is like God as love, right? And that's not like a revolutionary idea. That's what many religious people talk about. You know, I heard that in my childhood, but like really understanding and believing that my higher power or God like is love, like actually is the force of love in this world and in this universe. And I don't mean to be like too dichotomous with anything, but it just helps me clarify these concepts where it's like the, the opposing poles for me are fear and love. And the disease has trained me very well to always be pointed toward fear. I'm just like, that's how I'm, I've been wired from an early age for many different reasons for that. It's like fear, yep, I'm in tune with you, no problem. Um, and it's all about like turning toward the love, turning toward the love. And that's like my daily prayer pretty much always involves like when I'm in the fear, help me turn toward the love. And again, that's like a big abstract kind of concept, but it's like, how do I see that and experience that in my life? every day. And it's, you know, it's in my kids, it's in the people, you know, of my life when I'm like wondering what to do. I, at this point, I'm clear enough on like, okay, that first thought, or, you know, often, like we say, like the first thought of an addict is not to be trusted. But if we take time and pause, like we can trust our first action, you know, if we, especially if we like reach out and, you know, get some help first thought, I still can't trust. And I probably never will be able to trust. Right. Cause it's usually going to be out of fear. Um, So it's like, okay, so fear already gave me that input. So it's like, all right, love, do you want to say something? What do you think I should do here? Right. And again, sometimes I need another person to like help speak that to me. I don't often come up with that on my own, nor should I, again, this program is about connection and recovery is about connection. So I can't sit here and expect to like, come up with all the answers by myself. If I'm doing that, then I'm becoming my own higher power again. So it's like, all right, what would love do here? And it's usually something uncomfortable and scary, you know, like I've also learned love is not like a state of being. It's a state of action. It's like, okay, what, what action do I actually need to take that shows that that is loving toward me? Right. Often it's like, what's a loving action toward my body? Um, I just had this experience actually yesterday and the day before it kind of came up. I saw a video of me dancing, which I love to do. That's actually like a form where I connect with my, my higher power, but I watched this video. I haven't really seen any videos of me dancing recently and I happened to uh, have one. And I was like, I didn't like the way I looked, You know, all these like critical thoughts were coming up. The like voice of anorexia was coming up and just like, oh my God, you need to like definitely restrict more and you know, do all these different things. It's like, yeah, and that was all the voice of fear. That was all the voice of the disease. And so I had to sit with that, you know, for a couple days and like, you know, reach out and do some prayer on it and be like, what would love do here? And it's like, love would not have me starve myself in response to seeing this video. You know, love would not like have me deny myself food because on that particular day, you know, and again, the, it, was, it was the z- disease, not even me. You know, the disease said, oh, I don't like the way your butt looked in those jeans. It's just like, Yeah. Thanks for sharing, but I'm going to go listen for, to love here. You know, it's like love says you get to take care of yourself, you know, regardless of what you look like, you get to eat nutritious meals, you know, that are enough, not too much, not too little, you know, again, finding that middle of the road and you get to enjoy life no matter what your body looks like, you know, and that's been another big thing for me as my body's gone through a lot of changes in this program. Um, Again, not only having two kids, but like just a lot of weight fluctuations where it's like, yeah, love and my higher power as love like wants me to experience joy and wants me to experience, you know, connection and enjoy my body dancing without thinking about what it looks like as it does it you know, so I like was that's the ongoing experiences that I have now that I get to practice that idea, you know, it's and one thing I'll say before we transition into questions. Um is that the the way the step is written, I kind of have to say it to myself differently sometimes, you know, it's like came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. It sounds very final. It's just like we came to believe and there was no going back. And, you know, I really struggled with that when I first came to program. And it's not fixed. It's not like a static static fixed state for me it's like sometimes I have to act as if I believe you know that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity and I just have to take the action until you know my thinking changes right the whole like act our way into right thinking kind of thing um and it's always it's still very evolving and fluid right I do believe that a power greater than than me can restore me to sanity um so it helps me to kind of just tweak with that past tense form a little bit because it no it keeps me in an active state with this step, you know, that I can continually be coming to believe every day, right? I have to renew that belief every day, uh, through my connection to my higher power and through my connection to the steps. Um, so yeah, that might be kind of a good place to stop if you okay. think that might be a good transition, Nicole.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we're going to transition to the, uh, sharing in the q and uh, I'm going to do this part a little bit differently, which is I'm going to set some guidelines. So the guidelines for sharing or questions are to Stacey about step two. Also, um, I will use a timer as a guideline. Um, uh, so it doesn't mean you have to shut up, but if you could do we'll do three minutes i'll tell you when three minutes is up and if you could just please wrap up um whatever you're sharing also um if you've already spoken if you can let others uh get a chance to speak again uh before you uh share that would be great and so so far we only have one person so that's fine tammy you want to go ahead i do want to thank you Hi, Tammy. Welcome. Just give me one second. This is Trish. I'm sorry to buddy in. I just want to remind people we'll be calling on you by, if you use a phone number, the last four digits of your phone number or the name you use like we did with Tammy. Um, So if And we're being recorded. An audio recording will be posted on our website. So if you don't want us to use your real name, put in whatever name you do want us to use. And then raising your right hand, you do at the bottom of participants. So please. Thank you, Tammy. Go ahead.
2: Excellent. My name's Tammy. I'm a compulsive over eater. I'm in Melbourne. Um, I feel like I just hit the meeting jackpot. So I've never been to this meeting before, but Megan and Stacey, I love you. I want, I want to be you when I grow up. I hope that someday I am so far programmed up that I can speak as sanely as you just did because it was perfect. So. Um, I would um, I love people who have been in program long enough that they refer to God and they refer to the program and their community and they know they didn't do it themselves. And that's really so helpful for me to hear all the time. So my question to you, lovely Stacey, and by the way, you have two little children. And let me tell you, you look good. And the fact that you are not sleep deprived lunatic right now is a miracle to me. but um your my question is, I have the same story with you with the God thing, you know with um being a childhood you know religious person, then being like no, i don 't believe in God at all, and I don 't go." But now, after three years in program, God is the word I use and it's my favourite thing in the whole world. I am so thankful I have a higher power because I'm not alone anymore, you know. But people sometimes in the real world um, say, do you believe in God? And I still don't know how to answer that because it's not the same God they're asking me, do I believe in? Because I don't believe in a religious one, but I believe in something else. So do you have any words of wisdom about how you would explain that to a lay person who asks you if you believe in God? place?
1: I see. Yeah, thanks, Tammy. Um, That's a really good question. I, yeah, I definitely encounter that sometimes. I've encountered it in my own family. Um, So I'm the only person in recovery in a 12-step program in my family. I have an older and younger sister um, and two younger brothers. And my parents are very much like still in the disease in a lot of ways. Um, But yeah, even so, them all of my family, like seeing my spirituality evolve. That's been an interesting journey. Like I, I really struggled in the beginning, you know, I almost wanted to hide it from them and, you know, kind of minimize that part. And I was just so afraid of the judgment. And, and I think, you know, there still might even be some judgment there, but I'm at the point now where I don't care what other people think about it because I know what works for me. Um, but yeah, when that question about like, cause my, my dad has directly asked me, um, as a very critical person of, you know, believers, people who believe in God, you know, and I'll say, I'm like, yeah, I I do believe I call it God. I say, it's maybe not the idea of what a lot of people think of as God. And I'll talk about how it's like, how I think everybody's idea of God is different and you get to have this idea. And that I think this um, idea that's handed down to us, you know, it's almost like a cartoonish God of like the man, you know, old man in a, with a long white beard and a robe. It's like, that's it's that's just so like limiting and simplistic that uh, it's not even worth even talking about um so I'll, yeah i'll talk about just kind of like that broader idea that you know and again the the word term the term higher power helps there um because it doesn't have that stigma of the word god you know where i say like yeah i just do believe that there's a power greater than us and you know and in, talking about it on a universal level um whether or not people agree with this it's like some a few people I've talked to who yeah, don't identify with God or as religious can get behind the idea that like, yeah, I can't acknowledge that the universe is more powerful than I am. You know, like when we think about just like what that represents that like there, there are forces that are again, nature or that type of thing. Like there are forces that are, that are larger than me. And if you want to call them God, that's fine. You know, if you want to think about that as something else um, again, some people like ascribe certain sort of, um, anthropomorphic, you know, human sort of characteristics to God and that helps them. And they feel like they've got, you know, a personal relationship with God and, and that helps. It's like, I want everybody to be free to define God as however Mm -hmm. they want. And so that Mm kind of comes up in the discussion a lot. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can say you believe in God and that can mean, you know, 10 different things to 10 different people. And Mm -hmm. it's just that like, you know what that belief is for you. Um, And I think that's the important thing. And yeah, and just as an aside, I think for me, in program too, the, like the idea that like, oh, God is, is big enough. And then personal enough that God cares about me. That was one thing I had to like, you know, work through was like, oh, God, isn't just so big and abstract that like, God doesn't even know who I am, you know, where it's like, no, God knows me, you know um, it's not really hard idea to understand, but where it's like, oh, and God, and my food is important enough for my God to, for God to help me with it, you know, that type of thing too. So I don't get into all of that nitty gritty with, you know, people asking about God but yeah it just makes me think about that idea it's like everybody's free to define that for themselves and that's one of the things I love about this program so I hope that answers your question.
2: Oh thank you perfect thank you. you, Okay
0: thank you Tammy and before we move on to our next I do want to do a public service announcement which is to just quickly for to remind people that according to our seven traditions we are self-supporting through our own contributions contributions can be made by paypal to our email address info at oarise.org there is also a contribute now button at oarise.org website and angela you have a question angela where are you calling from my car down by the river. Um, I don't have a question. I just had a comment. And I just wanted to thank uh, Stacy and Megan for both of their shares. And one thing that really stood out to me, one, treating the news like a red light food. That was so helpful to hear today. Thank you. And then two, turning toward love, instead of fear and the first thought coming to my mind not being like questioning after that. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, That's all I want to say. Thank you so much for both of your shares. Thank, Thank you, Angela. Angela. Okay, Carla. We need some more questions, people. So after Carla, please...
1: you guys should be called Fat Asses Anonymous, not Overeaters Anonymous.
0: I'm sorry,
2: yeah.
0: Carla. Oh, was that a bomber? I think so. I just removed him or her. Okay. Don't know. Wendy, <laughs> Wendy, go ahead. Wendy S. Oh, here we go. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I'm i trying to let you see my face. So you can oh. see I'm a real person. Um, thank you very much. Wendy, Wendy, we lost you. Yeah, your, your bandwidth isn't quite enough. If you turn off your video, we might be able to hear you. She's not on can anymore. You Oh, there you are. Okay, Wait. I had to. Um, I With two little kids, I wanted to ask how what your daily practice is, because I believe that we are many times the sum of our habits. So what are your habits? Thank
1: you. Thanks, Wendy. That's a great question. I love the sum of our habits. Yeah, phrase. Um, yeah, and it's a really good, it's like, let's get down to brass tacks. Like, what does a day actually look like for any of us? Um, I have to get up, I have to be willing to get up earlier than my children. Um, and so the ideal, and I do this, like, I'd say maybe four or five days a week, I can manage this where I get up before them and I, I go down to where I am now. This is like where I get a little privacy in my house, in my basement office. And I do my prayer. I have a couple daily readers. I read those. I read the OA uh, for today. Um, that's one of them every day. Um, and I have another one. I read those, and I get down on my knees, and I say my prayer, which often involves, um, again, helping me find the willingness and courage to follow what love is asking me to do. Um, That's kind of what it sounds like today, and I know that's a big, you know, description, but I can apply it to specific things as they come up uh, to help me, you know, stand in the face of fear and choose love instead, and, you know, other variations on that, and then I try to do you know, I might get in a minute of meditation, like a gold star day is like, my kids are still sleeping long enough where then I have like maybe 10 minutes of meditation. Like that's just amazing. And then I also part of that time I call into the the 645 um, Pacific sunrise meeting. And so that like, is how I like transition into my day. And then my kids are up and like, I've started my day Uh, today, for example, I did not do that. I I wanted to sleep in and it felt like the right thing to do. And sometimes I just do that because I need sleep. And so I, I just got down on my knees before this meeting. You know, I was like, I, I'm still committed. I've told my sponsor some days I actually forget or the day's so crazy, you know, I, I don't get down on my knees and I'll literally do it. Like as I'm going to bed and I'm like, Hey, still prayed, like still got down on my knees. It still counts. (laughs) And, you know, I've actually been in bed and I'm like, I'm not actually willing to get up and get on my knees, but I'm going to sit here and say a prayer. I'm like, that still counts. Uh, So I have a, you know, a broad definition And there's like what I would love to happen that sometimes happens. And there's just what does happen in real life. And yeah, like, again, for today, I was like, I need to do a prayer before I share on this meeting. So I just did that and it just helped me show up for all of you. So yeah, it looks like what it looks like, you know, on different days. So thanks so much for that question.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Wendy. Uh, Next is Bonnie Jean.
3: Unmute. Hello, Stacey, you, when you, right before you started talking about, you know, the physical, the insanity and the sanity, it's like you made, went through a li- list of things to check that with. I think it was sort of like you said, spirituality. Were there some other things that you said that you, you would check, you know, what's the insane thing and the same thing? You went through a list. What was that?
1: Yeah. So this is an exercise, my sponsor, um, that Nicole had me do. Where it's six categories. So you make like a two column um, mm-hmm. list for each of them. And the categories are, once again, yes. financial. So, financial, cool. it's like, what does insanity and sanity look like for your financial right. life? Right. Um, physical, yeah, what does insanity and sanity look like uh, for you physically? Emotional, yeah. okay. spiritual, uh, mental, spiritual. and creative. Mental and creative
3: thank you that 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 was that is that's really cool because it's like yeah it really makes it concrete and then what you said about sanity seeing situations how really they are and acting appropriately than reacting from my emotions right
1: Mm -hmm. yes exactly
3: yeah oh yeah i mean that's that's i i right now in my life it's like i'm stepping back it's like something goes in through my head and it's like I'm actually able to step back today and say, okay, you know, there, but for the grace of God, how was was I at that age? I mean, whatever, but it, I don't have to say it, you know, I don't have to have to end up making amends about it. I can actually do something. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you. Thank you. That, that's a, that's a good writing assignment for me to do about sanity and sanity. So thanks.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. It was, I still go back and review it and I'll, I, go and add new ones. Sometimes, you know, if I feel like I need some clarity on something happening in my life right now, it's a really helpful exercise. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Thank you for saying that because that that's exactly what I need to do about something that, that's not on that list. So that's perfect. Thank you very much.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thank you, Bonnie Jean. Okay. So uh, I want Bob to know that I see your question. So, but first we're going to do Kathy and then just so you know, Stacy, we have a question from the chat. Okay,
3: Kathy, go ahead. Hi, Stacey. Can you hear me?
1: Yes, I can.
3: I just wanted to thank you for your share. I got a lot out of it. Um, I just thought it was really great. So I just wanted to thank you. No question. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Kathy. I should say too, it's like a disclaimer, like anything I'm saying is just what I've heard from my fellows and in meetings and it's been filtered just like through me. So I just, this is my like gratitude to everyone who's taught me and now it's just coming out to all of you in my own version of saying it. So yeah, thank you.
0: Uh, okay. So the question from Bob is you talked about a faith community that you referenced as different than others. Is this an online or an in-person community?
1: Um, I don't know how specific I want to get on this since I don't want to talk, you know, specifically too much about, uh, it's, you know, an, an outside faith community. I could like directly connect and give some of that information. Um, if that seems best, um, it's a, I'll just say it's a a progressive kind of Lutheran church. That's also a, uh, it's kind of community center. So there's a lot of community organizing that's part of it. Um, so it's like liberation theology kind of approach, you know, where it's like, how do we achieve freedom for all people by using you know the teachings of Jesus and, you know, God is love and that type of thing. As far as anything else, I don't know if it'd be appropriate for me to like, you know, say specifically what it is or yeah, but I can, I can give that to someone privately if we want to connect, information. I can do that.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Um, right now we don't have anyone with any hands up. Is there anyone who, and yet we still have some time. Is there anyone who would like, uh, to, before we shift at three o'clock, we'll start step three. Um, I'm really strict with the, uh, the only reason why I'm such a you know time tracker is because this is what we advertised and so some people are going to you know only join at three because they're expecting to hear about step three so i don't want to start step three early which means we've got 10 minutes so stacy is there anything you want to sort of thoughts that you've had i i have a, a bit of a question okay. if you, you know just to keep you talking sure. is um, unless someone, you know, pops up, then I'll interrupt myself, which is, yeah. you know, came to bl- believe in a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. How has your idea of what sanity is changed?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Really good question, Nicole. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe just sort of summarize, like I I mentioned earlier, like what things looked like for me early in program. Um, And it'll be 12 years in January um, that I started in AA. And I got to, like I said, OA a few months later. Um, It looks, yeah, it looks a lot different. It's like when I compare the life I live now, and this has come up a lot in my step work, as Nicole knows, like working the eighth and ninth step and, you know, sort of working through some of that like regret of things we've done of like, oh my God, now that I can see this clearly, I can't believe that's what I used to do. But yeah, like early in recovery, it was just like not drinking and not binging, you know, that was like the like sanity that I could achieve. And there were still a lot of other insane behavior as far as like what I was doing in my relationships and, you know, what I was doing on a day-to-day basis. So it's kind of like the road gets narrower, you know, that people talk about not only like with the food itself. Um, you know, my, what I actually eat, my diet is more limited and in a lot of ways, I don't want to say in every way than what it was and when I came in. Um, but I, and if you told me what I eat today, like if you told me then, you know, what I'm eating today, I would have freaked out about it and like worried about being deprived, but I feel like totally satisfied today. So it's like, you know, those things change over time. So it's that, yeah, that same way with, with sanity as well, where it's like my, de- my definition has gotten clearer. I feel like I'm more on the beam with like what healthy people consider sanity, you know, um, of like most of the time that I'm where I'm acting in integrity, you know, in ways that I can look at, of like, oh yeah, this is what I think like most healthy people would do in this situation. And, you know, call that sane. And I can spot like, you know, s- insanity a lot more clearly or a lot sooner, you know, than I used to be able to. And it keeps, you know, keeps evolving as far as like what's happening in my life. Like now, as a parent, and Nicole knows this, and anyone who knows me in recovery um, is like insanity. I can have days that feel like they're filled with insanity. I mean, living with a two-year-old toddler is like they are insane. Like they literally have like no frontal lobes in their brains, and they just will do like completely irrational things like all day long. So it's like there is insanity like up in my face. It feels like sometimes the entire day. And again, it's like, well, what does sanity look like here, you know, not screaming at my kid for everything they do, you know, sometimes like again, speaking of prayer, I'll go take a break and get on my knees in the bathroom, like while my kids are like screaming outside the door, you know, I'm like, I just need to get myself away so I can try to maintain my sanity here and not do something I regret. Um, you know, it's those types of things where it's like, I wouldn't have been able to, to describe that to you before I had kids. But like, that's a whole exercise in sanity versus insanity that I have a daily practice in whether I like it or not um, today. And that also happens in like, my work, um, you know, we like my work life keeps evolving. And there's been different things that have come up around Um, me having to advocate for myself, like getting paid on time, you know, situations like that, where it's like, oh, the same thing to do is to like assert my needs here and turn it over and not get into this like insane circle of like making excuses for the other person and, you know, doing all these other kinds of strange things where I'm wasting energy. Um, And then if, you know, the situation calls for it, like making a change and setting a boundary and leaving the relationship, if that's, you know, what I need to do. So it's like, there's all these variations, you know, like these gradations of like what sanity and insanity can look like in any area of our lives. And I think that's the gift of program. It's where it's like given me that like pair of glasses, if you will, or a flashlight that I can like shine on things and see like, Oh yeah, I can see like what it's sanity versus, you know, insanity looks like in this situation now. And it's constantly evolving for me. So I hope that answers a question.
0: Yeah. And I actually have a question from Sylvia. Sylvia, can you unmute? Hopefully, yeah, can yeah. you hear me? Yep, yeah, we can hear you. Great. So um, I heard Stacey talk a little bit about uh, AA or being in another A, and I'm curious about her experience um, with attending other sister programs,
1: kind of similarities maybe and in differences in, the, in how the steps work um and and also maybe about balance if if she's got more than one that she's pursuing how she balances her i don't know
0: attention across those
1: like attention across programs sylvia yeah 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 i can speak to that thank you great to hear your voice um yeah, I've, that's been a, that was a struggle for me for a while, you know, like most of my energy was going into my first program, which that's where it needed to, to be. And the way my experience has gone is like, I've addressed the things in the order that they will kill me. So it's like drugs and alcohol would kill me first if I kept going with those. And so that's what needed to be addressed. And, you know, food was very much like a close second. So, you know, that was like right there. And I was working both programs, you know, kind of interchangeably, I'd say, for a few years. And then it was very clear that like OA needed to be my priority, where I would won't get too much into my drinking story, but it's like the desire to drink had left me and it wasn't like a you know daily struggle. Obviously I wanted to keep still working the steps in all areas of my life, but it was like, okay, OA is where I need to be right now. I'm still really struggling with the food. Um I want some freedom there. I found some freedom from these other substances. Let's, you know, and I had to really take some time away and it was a hard transition. You know, I'd had a lot of built up a lot of relationships and, you know, trust and all that routine, all that type of thing in my other program. But it was like, okay, this is where, this is where like my higher power is pointing me, you know, and I could tell. So this is what I've developed over the past several years, you know, OA's really been my main focus, where my main relationships are and my main time. Um, And then I've also turned toward a couple other programs now, Um, the relationship programs, because I feel like, you know, once you're in 12 steps long enough, uh, for me, at least, there's no area of my life that hasn't been touched by disease and the disease and dysfunction. And then there's not an area of my life that the 12 12 steps can't help. Um, So it's like the ongoing like relationship, like all that tricky stuff. Um, that I've had to direct a little more attention to now, but I still have always kept my thread in OA because you have to eat every day. Right. And my relationship to food has gone through a lot of fluctuations. As I said, I've had two kids in this program. I've gone through different periods of like being, feeling crazy and hormonal and like overeating. And then more recently I've been in a, a restriction, like re, um, replay of anorexia, like coming back kind of to like ground zero of my, you know, eating disorder where that started for me. So it's like, okay, all right, thanks disease. Now we're going to be working on this. So I, yeah, I don't know where it'll go from here, but I'm committed to continuing OA just because again, that stability in my food is such a foundation for like all the rest of my sanity in my life and in my relationships and everything else. So, you know, it's like, even if I'm stable, I feel like just the maintenance is really important for me staying in OA. And then I get to work some of the other relationship programs too. So Uh, Hopefully that answers the question.
0: Great. Okay. And that takes us to about time. So what I want to do is I want to thank Stacy, you know, for your service. Um, And uh, Trish, I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, I know you need to stop recording and start recording. And then if there's any um, announcements you want to make before I move into step three. Oh, also before I do that, if anyone has um, any direct questions for either Megan or Stacy, my email address um, is in the chat for people on the phone. It's N as in Nicole, L as in Lynn, Sharky S-H-A-R-K-E-Y at gmail.com. So, if you have any uh, specific questions like regarding food plans or uh, religious affiliations or stuff like that, um, you can email me and then I will uh, contact Stacy and Megan to reach out to you. That way you only have to